Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I am one-third of your host tonight, Mike, and joining me, as always, Mr. Venom. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing well, ready to talk about a movie tonight that could be polarizing, although I think not between the three of us, but <laughs> it's going to be interesting with our recommendation part, because... Yep. <laughs> um, also joining us... Sort of making, I'll, I'll call it his half return because he has a flagship flagship show that he still has yet to have returned to, but he's has at least returned to podcasting, and that would be a moods, motherfucking moods. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. It's been a rocky, rocky fucking road, and I'm sick on top of that. But I quit 22 shots, man. I totally just threw in the towel. I decided <laughs> I'm just gonna continue on this show. No, for real, though, it's just the way shit's been working out for me right now and recording four or five hour shows just doesn't fit into my schedule. But this is a lot easier to do. So once again, I am very happy to be back on the show and and especially talking about uh, this film tonight. Yeah, I was fucking hesitant to when uh, I was trying to put this episode together before I think you chimed in that you had seen it and uh, I was putting it together and then JP was like, oh, we're going to be doing that movie. I was like, oh. And then that was like right about the time when you were like, uh, I can't remember if you reached out to me or I reached out to you, but I, I kind of put it together that you would come on. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, he hasn't yet gone back to 22 shots yet. And then JP was like, is he leaving our fucking show for years? I was like, dude, it's just a Fresh Cuts episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, oh, wait till Jeremy hears that I'm actually on this. He's going to fucking lose his mind. <laughs> I know. I should be like, quick change. We're talking... 1972 movies tonight yeah exactly (laughs) but uh what we are really talking about tonight is a movie called hagazuza hagazuza yes silent h right i think Mm -hmm. you told me that (laughs) um this is a great synopsis of imdb ready paranoia and superstition in 15th century europe dude that's not even a sentence (laughs) that shit cracked me up too man because when i found out about this film last year i went on to indb and read that and i was like what that's it yeah that's all i get still i still ordered the the blu-ray but i was gonna say mike you should probably just scroll down and read the storyline it's a much better synopsis it's on indb yeah scroll down yeah there we go yeah all right, the dark legend of the young woman Albron and her struggle to preserve her own sanity and tries to explore the fine line between ancient magic, faith, and madness at a time when pagan beliefs and witches and nature spirits spread fear and terror in the minds of the rural population. If that sounds like it kind of mirrors a movie from a couple of years ago called The Witch, you'd be correct. Um, this, oh, yeah. This does have many shades of The Witch. In fact, I was uh, listening or reading an interview um about this uh, movie from, I can't remember who actually did the interview, but he stated that the director, when he was making this movie, when they were in the process of making it, the witch had like just come out and he, he wasn't mad, but he was kind of frustrated. So he actually changed the name. Cause the, I guess the original name was Hexen. That's what it was going to be called. But he felt that because the witch had already come out, that that was too close to just straight up being called like a witch. Mm. So he, he changed it to this because this is a more kind of, at least for me, I mean, I guess if you're not familiar with the European lore, Haga, Agazusa is more of an ambiguous term that you'd have to actually look up and figure out what the hell it means. But uh, That is the yeah. German word for the witch's curse. 
Yes, and I, this movie is actually subtitled A Heathen's Curse. Mm-hmm. So so it kind of gives you the definition within the subtitle. So There you go. Yep, and if, if, if anyone watches this and hates this movie, the one thing, and this isn't really a spoiler, don't worry, but the one question that this movie will answer is from the movie It Comes at Night, well, this one tells you what comes at night. It's the Jews, the heathens, and anyone that doesn't have Christ <laughs> in their heart. Pagans. Yes, yep. it does. <laughs> yeah, pagans. That hella cracked me up because I was watching that scene and when uh, she said uh, they come at night, and I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's what comes at night. Fucking now everyone's going to love that movie because they know yeah. <laughs> what comes at night no, they now. Don't. Awesome. <laughs> probably not but hey <laughs> um okay so we got the synopsis out of the way so we'll start do what we always do to start with general thoughts so venom uh what are your general thoughts on Agazusa? uh general thoughts are i absolutely love this film this is this is high art at its absolute best now i say that with the caveat that I'm convinced most horror fans will hate this movie. Um, This movie to me is probably going to be the divisive movie of the year, much like Hereditary was last year. It comes at night the year before and The Witch the year before that. This is going to be very divisive where people who are into, and I hate to use the term, I genuinely do, but it's it's, uh, kind of a a term that's being commonly used around the film community right now of... um, um prestige horror um or elevated horror some people are saying it's a fucking term elevated horror yeah it's just pretentious douchebags who can't admit that they like a horror movie so they have to call it something else or or they're acting like they just discovered something that's so fucking above the fray (laughs) when good horror movies have been coming out for 100 years exactly i mean Um, back to my general thoughts. I mean, uh, within the first minute of this film, you can already tell this soundtrack is going to be spectacular. Um, ultimately, there's not a whole lot of soundtrack. There's like one or two main pieces of music that are repeated during the more ominous or dark scenes in the film. Um, but for the most part, it's a fairly silent score for the film. A lot of nature sounds, um, not, not not even a lot of dialogue. Um, there, there is dialogue in the film. There are like little patches of dialogue here and there. But, you know, Albrin being the main focus of the film and the fact that she doesn't have a significant other, obviously a lot of the scenes are going to be just her by herself, you know, going about her day-to-day activities, uh, things like that. But um, I still say that this movie is... I mean, it's near flawless in my opinion. It's, it's like I said, if you're not a fan of, you know, that kind of, and I hate to use this term as well, but there's not really another term for it, but that kind of slow burn horror that, you know, like the witch and movies of, uh, of that ilk, um, then you're not going to like this movie. I mean, I can't put it any plainer. If you didn't like the witch, you're not going to like this movie. Hell, some people that like the witch aren't going to like this. Yeah. I was going to say, say 50% of the fans of The Witch might not even like it. Exactly. The Witch still gave us a pretty powerful uh, climax, whereas this movie, you know, I feel that the the final shot of the movie is very powerful, but I can already see how the majority of horror fans are just going to be left scratching their head, not 100% sure what they just watched. So I'll get into my more detailed views in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, overall, I've watched this movie three times now. I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it was available on Amazon, and I do not regret my purchase. It was a blind buy, which I almost never do, but it, it was based on, you know, 
feedback that I heard from people like Moods and others who had seen it already from the German release. Um, and yeah, like I said, I absolutely love it. So back to you, Mike. Moods, what the fuck does he know? Oh, wait, we're <laughs> going to find out right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? You, you took a lot of the things I was going to say. Um, right from the opening scene in this film, man, the score just captivates you. It pulls you right in. It's the most ominous and it's not even discreet, man. It's doom and gloom right from the start. It sets up the tone of this film so beautifully and it never it never strays away from that. I absolutely love that about films. It's it takes balls to make films like this without a lot of dialogue, without a lot of music, very silent, you know, shit that you have to pay attention to. You know, it takes a lot of balls to do that. And I think that this movie is done very flawlessly. Uh, 100% agree with that. It's done in four different acts. I love when films are broken up into acts. Uh, get you thinking a little bit. And it's also a, a, a good way to save time when you're filmmaking, too. Because if you jump ahead, you know, we've got the first act and, you know, and Auburn, she's actually a child in the first act. And then when the second act starts, she's an adult with a child, you know, and I, I, I like that. You know, I like the pacing in the film a lot, even though it's a, a slow burn. The pacing to me is it's haunting. It's dreadful. It's this is horror at its mm -hmm. finest. You know, it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. And that, I think that's what these type of films are meant to do. Uh, anything to do with period pieces and folklore horror films. Um, you know, I think they're they're very easily uh, a lot of directors. They misstep when they're making these type of type of films. And I think here it's bang on. I think it really is bang on. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I hate to make this a fucking French kissing fest where we're all fucking <laughs> in line, but I fucking loved it too. I, I actually just watched it for a second time um, before we recorded, and I liked it more the second time than I did the first. So, mm -hmm. Sometimes when you get kind of like these slow-moving films um, – you come away from the first viewing, like you might like it or not like it, but you might have missed out on some things or there's some things you weren't sure about, some things that could have gone either way. And uh, my second watch, it it just helped me put more pieces together. I felt uh, a lot of the things that I wasn't sure about, um, I or was able to reinforce my opinion one way or the other with the second viewing. Like, sorry, like has already been mentioned, um, a lot of – the dread in this movie is conveyed through the, the score. It, it's not an overpowering score, but when they use it, it's very deliberate. We get a lot of close-ups of the main actress's face just exuding fucking terror. <laughs> and, and it's 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 justified when, once we get into what's going on in some of those scenes. Um, I, I think this, this movie, it's an hour and 42 minutes of dread and creeping death. You It, it, it constantly feels like something Something worse is coming around the corner at every moment. Like, uh, like Mood said, there there really is no um, uh, what what am I what am I looking for? There's no sense of relief or like okay, everything's gonna be better. Even um, you know, there's a part where the main actress does or the main character does something where it it seems like she might be getting some joy out of what she's doing maybe you could say as like an act of revenge but even that it doesn't really bring any solace to the situation <laughs> at all it yeah. just keeps yeah it just keeps chugging along in the way it is and um when we get to the ending um that third act especially that second half of the third act when it just kind of spirals 
um, not out of control, but just spirals into the depths of darkness. And, and that closing shot, I kind of changed my mind possibly about what was going on, um, which we'll get to when we hit spoilers. Cause I, I think, you know, a lot of movies like this, you want to say they're metaphorical and I, I, I wouldn't categorize this as using metaphors necessarily. It's more themes in this one. I think there's some things, themes going on with a backdrop of, of obviously um, what's going on during that time in um, European history. Oh, so sure. yeah. 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 As opposed to, you know, some movies will use metaphors where you're not sh- sure actually what's going on. I, I think with my second watch, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I had a grasp of what was taking place on screen. And um, yeah, we'll get to that ending. Cause I'm, I'm kind of uh, interested to see what you guys think um, what that closing shot might've represented or what the yeah. possibilities are. So um, before we get to spoilers, though, we always kind of do uh, whether we recommend this one. I think Venom kind of mentioned it at the beginning. I think it was during his general thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. Would I recommend this? I would recommend it if... <laughs> yeah, I hate to do caveats on recommendations because really it's like if I liked it, I'm going to tell you to fucking watch it. But, you know, <laughs> do you like... Th- when we use the term slow burn, this is almost like a slow, a slow, but the match doesn't even burn at the end. Kind of like <laughs> it, it, it just, it, it ends in a way that, um, yeah, it's, it will probably disappoint some people or make them mad or they'll just be scratching their head. Like you said. Um, but you know, I would almost say like, I would recommend this, but I would re- recommend watching it twice. Cause if if you watch this the first time and you're willing to sit down and watch it again, I know it's like not the easiest thing to do for a lot of people, but um, it, it's kind of similar to earlier this year when I watched Braid. And after the first viewing, I felt like I got some stuff and I was confused about other stuff. And the second watch, it it, it just kind of clicked for me. So I think if you if you watch this one time and you didn't hate it, but you're kind of you know in the fog, so to say, I would recommend watching it a second time and then listening to our spoiler session. But, uh, Venom, how about you? I mean, I don't think it's any big surprise. I, I strongly recommend this film. I am going to flat out say most of you are going to hate it. I mean, it's, it's beyond a slow burn. I mean, it's more of a slow wilt. I mean, it's just, um, for, for most horror fans, you know, they're going to walk away saying there wasn't much of a payoff, you know, there's no big um, aha moment at the end of the film or anything like that. If anything, the final frame might leave you with more questions than answers. And I think that's kind of the intention. I think this director yeah. wants the audience to kind of develop their own um, climax for the story. Like what what was the director trying to say and how did it make you feel? I think I think he's challenging his viewers to kind of, you know come up with what they think this movie is actually about because obviously the easy answer is witchcraft but you know you you can make an argument that there's no witchcraft in the film which we'll get more into in the spoiler section but um yeah uh, this is going to get a strong recommend from me but if you watch it and hate it i do apologize and i completely understand all right, moods. How about you? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I've made lots of posts and talked about this movie quite a few times, and I'm I'm kind of in the same realm as that too. I think this is definitely a movie that's not going to be for everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think if people like The Witch, 
you pot you should like this movie theoretically but i just don't know what people's tastes anymore man these are the type of movies that i would recommend to like everybody but i know in my heart everyone's not gonna like this shit uh it's I think it's more due to the fact that I know a lot of people's attention spans are very short these days. <laughs> and this is one of those movies where, you know, combined with a very ominous feel, um, you know, and a very, you know, just that overall dread and just not a lot of dialogue and stuff. I could see it losing people's interest, even though they do like what they're seeing, because the cinematography is absolutely brilliant. I mean, right from the opening scene in this, that the between the score and just the the cinematography, it sets up the isolation feel so damn well in this film. And it's not cheap. You know, it, it, it never, it doesn't fucking pull any punches. It doesn't try to, you know, pull those fake ass jump scares and shit like that. And it just, it holds its own so fucking well from, you know, minute one to, you know, 102. I love that about films, man. I couldn't recommend it enough. So, you know, you knowing that, that you're not going to get any of those big type of scares. You're not going to get these big, crazy, flashy scenes and shit like that. It's it's pure dread, man. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, in my opinion, the best type of horror. You know, yeah. shit, the shit that is visually fucking you up, psychologically is draining you when you watch movies. This shit is what I live for. I mean, I, every once in a while, I like watching a popcorn brain dead fucking you know slasher film and shit i mean i love that type of shit too but this is the type of shit that you know i i wish more people enjoyed you know it's unfortunate but i can't recommend it enough man i really mm-hmm. can't so give my highs yeah cool yeah it's getting it sounds like it's all three recommendations so now if you're listening to this you have to watch it because (laughs) (laughs) if everyone recommends it on the show that's the rule you have to watch it um (laughs) so we're gonna hit spoilers now so uh if you haven't seen it i recommend stopping and coming back at a future time but uh for guys for such a slow movie it would still make some kick-ass driving totals on joe bob wouldn't it because <laughs> <laughs> it, it would make for a funny ass list just put it that way you know yeah. I, I don't think it would be a lot of things but just the shit that was on the list people would definitely read it twice and laugh <laughs> twice yeah yeah <laughs> for sure they might do some fucking double takes like it it has what in it? <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I guess we'll start with the near goat fucking. <laughs> oh, geez. Skipping far ahead, aren't we? <laughs> oh, I, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it's when when she's a little kid, did you – what was your take? Was it that the mom was a witch and, like, putting something on to protect or that – because it, it definitely had – you know, obviously during the spoilers – I'll probably do some comparing <laughs> to the witch because it mirrors like a lot of a lot, of, especially my second view. And I saw how like a lot of the events in the movie, while it's done in a masterful way, all on its own, just because of the nature of the two well, movies, they do mirror some stuff. Um, and I think in the beginning of this, too, they they're pretty much like cast out from the village. Right. And they're, they're living on their own. They're definitely ostracized from the from the village and, and stuff like that. Now, if they are isolated for the reasons that they are witches right off the bat, I mean, there's an argument there. 
that they were witches and then they were put out there in isolation because, you know, they're heathens and shit. Um, but there is a moment, though. I mean, that's that's the appearance that you take from the first probably yeah. 20 minutes of the film. But then there's a scene where, you know, the mom actually goes outside and she sees, you know, those people standing there, whatever the fuck was standing out there, mm. um, you know, with the horns and shit like that. And then she falls ill right after that scene. Uh-huh. Now, there's an argument right there that they actually – okay, so here's the argument. That they were witches and their family and shit was cursed the whole time, the heathen's curse, right? Or they were you know, sent out there for whatever reasons and then they were cursed by those people that showed up. Because, I mean, maybe the timing is coincidental in the film. I don't know if that's the director what he was trying to do. But it does speak volumes though. Because we get the impression that they are witches, but then we're not 100% sure. But then that's, that happens, you know, that that scene happens. Mm-hmm. She gets, she ultimately gets sick and fucking dies. I mean, she leaves her kid, you know, young and shit like that. And she seemed okay up to that point. So it's interesting. But there also is a piece of dialogue later on in the film where they talk about, you know, people will come at night, you know, these people will come at night and then, you know, months later, you'll just have a baby and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, so there's that, that's kind of thrown into it because we don't learn that information until the second act when our main character, Auburn is an adult with a baby. Like she goes from being a, a, a childless, um, you know, without a mother, her mother dies. And then it jumps forward. I don't know, probably, 10 15 years maybe i don't know mm-hmm. and she's got a fucking baby and we're just like yeah what? like and then there's also another piece of dialogue like where's your husband and and shit like that and she's like there's no husband and, but the look on her face is like pure dread right? I, like, ha- I never I had, had anybody i had the impression that that child was also a product of a rape because later on in the film when that one chick betrays her and mm-hmm. like lets the boyfriend rape her the like the first thing she does kind of when she gets home is she she kind of looks at her baby and is almost like disgusted like oh no mm-hmm. is this gonna happen again like I'm gonna have another kid that I don't want because some dude raped me so I thought maybe they were implying that that kid was from rape because yeah we really get no true explanation 100 well, percent how she has that baby in the it, first place it is confusing too because they're you know again later on in the film halfway through when that one fucking you know one bitch kind of sets her up for that rape that she goes through and it's like well what really was you know i understand i mean at this point they she's a heathen she's a piece of shit to them right right so they they just kind of go through and do this shit but maybe this was what he's saying this is this is exactly what happened before but i mean if it did happen before why would she allow herself to be in that position anyways again knowing that this is probably what's going to happen because it seemed to me that she seemed like she was kind of befriending her for real because you can see the look in her face. Like, she seems shocked that she's willing to talk to her like a normal person mm-hmm. and shit like that. And then she gets set up in this awful rape thing happens. And I'm just like, holy fuck, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Well, she's obviously, yeah, because she's obviously living out in seclusion without much interaction with anyone. It seems like she only really comes to town to get water and, like, yeah. maybe food. And, and and that's where, that's what this, and this is what makes this movie so damn good to me, man. The setup of isolation and being ostracized is is a crazy fucking thing because isolation does enormous things to your mentality you know you start mm-hmm. to trip out and like hence later on in the film when you got these kind of like acid mushroom induced scenes and shit like that and it's you know and it's nothing to do with direct drugs but it's also the it's due to possibly losing your fucking mind from being isolated and going through all these tragic 
you know, situations in your life and stuff. I mean, the movie starts out with her losing her mother. That's tragic. That's horrific for a child to go through. And then you're being ice, you know, you're isolated and, and all these things kind of lead up into it. So it's, it's very psychological in that, in that aspect also. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, sure. I, I firmly believe that Auburn has PTSD. I mean, there, some of her, like, yeah, I think I so mean, let's talk about the rape scene. I mean, she, yeah. she allows it to happen without fighting in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And her quote unquote friend Swindon is laying right there whispering to her why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you stink. You people fucking stink. I was like, yeah, oh God, it's so filthy. I mean, it could be, you know, as far as the main character, Albrin goes, it could just be, you know, since childhood, the way she's been treated by the town, it's been drilled into her head so much that she is a piece of shit that right. by that time she's just zoned out in mentally. Where I think I think that's one pro. I mean, that's an incident that happens that kind of leads into the third act, and and I think the way the third act plays out is because that's kind of the breaking point because mm-hmm. she gets she kind of has a revenge moment where she kills this rat and she puts it in their drinking water and she fucking pisses on it. The, the plague rat. Yeah. Yeah. The plague rat. Exactly. But, and, and that's a brilliant thing that the director threw into the film because at this time plagues was fucking huge, man. She like knew that that was going to fuck some shit up, man. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, that's actually quite brilliant. The, the pissing on the rat in the water was just the icing on the cake. She didn't really need to do that because yeah. well, piss is sterile, man. It doesn't do anything. Right? Exactly. But, but like, I just thought that was kind of an interesting. I mean, that's actually what I thought mom, uh, mother died from was the plague because you know, she was healthy and then out of nowhere, she's got these blood filled sacks like yeah, all, see- all over her body. That's the plague. I mean, it, it, it's fast, you know, it's not, you don't suffer from the plague for long that's for sure yeah i know so. i thought about that too I, and that's why i got confused about it because like i said you know when those those figures showed up outside of her place mm-hmm. and she got sick right after like the next scene she was like sick mm-hmm. so i'm like is that connected and i thought the plague thing too because those lumps in her armpit dude i both times i've watched the movies maybe gag yep i don't know what it is man but that those effects on there and the doctor simple. touching them with no gloves oh, i mean not dude. that there was gloves then but still some kind of protection <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so gross so gross yeah my my take on the film is that they were not witches but that they were so incredibly ostracized by everyone that they just accepted the fact that that's how they were looked at and and when it comes to albrin especially when you get to like chapter three and four i think she genuinely believes she's a witch just because of people browbeating her with that information and and everything else and well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like she thinks she has more power than she actually does. And then, of course, that scene comes on. And yeah, it's like, once she starts carrying out those deeds, it's because she believes, like, well, this is what I am now or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. That's why I think she has PTSD. It, it's a form of PTSD. Yeah, for sure. She's just been yeah. so browbeaten that she believes a lie. And it all makes sense, though, too, because back in those days, people were wrongfully accused of witch of yeah. witchcraft all the fucking time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, these people, so you take the mom and the daughter and they're accused of being witches, and then it's just, it just spirals out of control. Yeah, right? it, it, it definitely can be looked at as a commentary on the power of perception, how it 100%. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, reality doesn't matter if perception has convinced people otherwise, because, yeah, they basically are isolated and secluded out there. And, even when she's like a little like it starts when she's a little girl and it just continues like so through basically all her life mm-hmm. it, it continues like there's no 
real redemption for her. The, the, the scene where she goes to visit the priest, and he's like, well, I was hoping I could convert you, but now get the fuck out of here. Here's your mom's skull. That was weird because he makes a statement about um, all impurities need to be cleaned or wiped from the earth or something along those lines. And then he gives Mm -hmm. her the skull. It's almost like he was asking her to like get rid of this or do something with it. Or I don't, I don't know what, like what was he implying there? Was he literally just giving her the skull to get it away from them? Or was he asking her to do something with it? Well, I think he would only ask her to do something with it or get rid of it if he truly believed that they were witches. That's true. Maybe it was impure to be in that church, which would look like the fucking catacombs itself. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's... obviously the, the skull would have fit in there fine, but given its impurity to their religious um, beliefs, I, that's that's what I was concluding from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it was impure and it couldn't be there. So, like, get rid of this shit. And obviously when, you know, she takes her mom's skull or whatever the fuck it is um, and sets up a shrine. I mean, this is this is adding to her PTSD for sure. Mm-hmm. And and too. the belief that she's a witch. I mean, exactly. when, when Swindon walks into her house, 100%. she's got a human skull in the corner and she's got a goat skull on the wall. Yep. It's like, you are you advertising that you're a witch? It but that, that, that explains why she pisses on the rat, too. You know, I mean, maybe she feels that that has some power. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. She, know, she mm-hmm. knows that the rat is going to cause a disease, but this it's going to come true if I piss on it because I have this power. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. the witch's, it's the witch's brew. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. So I, I mean, me a... <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm 100% with you, man. I think the I think the title is is supposed to mislead you, you know, like a heathen's curse. You know, it's like the witch's curse. But I think this is it's it's also got a double meaning. You know, it's it's from the times, man. These people yeah. went through shit all the fucking time. People were ostracized. You're a fucking witch. And then this well, is the story yeah. of normal people that had to go through this shit and this is the end result well yeah and it, it the title is kind of flipped in the movie because really it's the fucking townspeople that are the heathens cursing her right they're cursing her a life to fucking dissolution isolation you know and oh. it, it's really them that are projecting shit onto her to where by the end of it she has bought into it fully That's the power yeah. of suggestion you know yeah. it's like somebody you know somebody suggests you're like oh you know that guy's that guy's a homo and then everyone's like that guy's gay it's like dude like people just believe shit you know like that person's a witch you know it's like oh she's a fucking witch everyone just buys into it nobody fucking has a mind of their own you know, that's what happened back. And that's why there was like thousands of people that were burned at the stake and shit. It's like, she's a witch. Okay. She's a mm-hmm. witch. Yeah. How, how little it took to like it talk people into it. I mean, look at the kids. I mean, they show up, there's a scene where she's walking by with water and stuff and they're throwing rocks at her and shit. And the kids are just, they only do it because they were told that she was a witch. They don't fucking know shit. <laughs> they don't even care. They just want to do it because they know they can get away with it. Yep. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. And really like. It's a, <laughs> Half, half, half the shit from that like era in time, you were almost considered a heathen or a witch merely just for breaking the fucking rules. Like you weren't even ever caught doing anything supernatural. Well, even for obviously, being different, you know? even for looking different and being from the wrong family, or so, just being just being a single mother. Yeah, there was so many reasons why people were just, you know, given the label of being a witch and stuff. It's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, just because maybe they didn't believe in. 
they they weren't part of the majority you know they weren't these catholics they weren't this you know the, these christians and stuff and you know maybe they just kind of believed in their own thing and automatically like, like nature <laughs> automatically you're a witch i mean because if that's the way it was back in those days if you didn't believe in what the majority believed in you were that was bad yeah there was there was no um there was no gray area in that no, kind of thinking. not at yeah. all man not at all you even know, if like, even if you were caught doing something that the villagers couldn't explain instantly you're a witch yeah like, there, I, like I was yelling at her during the goat scene when she's milking the goat and then suddenly she starts fondling it and then <laughs> masturbating i'm like you do know that if a villager walks up to you right now that that's it you're a witch you're masturbating with a goat yeah i mean and and that's the that's the 100 product of isolation and having no contact with you know any like her love interest became a goat. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's the she was fucked up kind thing of forced because, to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fucked up thing because her biology is going to have her. You know, she's going to have like the um sexual urges just because of you know biology, but she doesn't know how to properly act out on them or focus, and she just gets turned on by fucking milking a goat. <laughs> And yeah. they made they made the scene kind of it was like I was I was kind of gagging. I mean, her, she it was, was almost her, pornographic. Yeah, yeah, she was rubbing her hands. She had milked the cow or milked the the goat and and started rubbing the milk all over her face. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh dude, and her nasty ass fingers. And dude, I noticed, them in her mouth. Too. Oh. I noticed that too. Her fucking oh, her cuticles were so disgusting. Yeah, and they just held they just held that shot with it held up to her yep. face. I'm I'm like, all right, all right. Hey, come on! Hey, every shot in this movie is held. <laughs> I was just gonna say the cinematography is very, it's very consistent, it's very, you know, to the point. Like it, it fucking holds a lot of shots. And yeah, and I can see a lot of, and that's probably another reason why people might lose a little bit of interest too, because they're just like, okay, man, we get the fucking point. Like, like there's a scene towards the end of the film in a swamp that literally goes on for like six, seven minutes. Mm-hmm. You it's know a what though? Long, you know- disturbing, fucked up scene. It's so disturbing that I've seen it twice. And I'm just like, oh man, it's so like, fuck. When she walks up to that swamp though, before she actually gets in, and they they pan to her face and they just hold it, and you can see kind of, she almost has a look of terror on her face, like she's realizing what she's about to do or feeling compelled to do. And her facial expression to me was fucking haunting. Yeah, no, like and so, oh man, it was so it was so question- well done. Oh, I, I agree. So I got a question. So with that scene, what are your thoughts on her doing what she did? Is it still the, is it still, is it just another part in her journey of her, you know, her mentality? She's completely lost her mind because, you know, of everything that's happening to her and shit like right. that. And she doesn't want this on her child or like, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, I still think it goes back to the PTSD that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could be postpartum, uh, possibly yeah Yeah. um but i still think like pretty much everything that she did in those last two chapters i feel like she did them because she thought she was supposed to you know witches are supposed to eat children that's that's the big legend so Mm -hmm. why the hell not um you know witches are supposed to consort with goats and snakes yeah i see why the hell not yeah like if if you go back same thing yeah i was gonna say if you this is another thing where it kind of mirror well it doesn't mirror but it it reminded me of the scene um in the witch like after the baby gets kidnapped 
and then you cut to the next scene and obviously they those witches that just killed the baby and because like supposedly like baby fat gives them like power so i think the scene after the swamp scene <laughs> when she basically tosses her baby in the fucking yeah. soup and eats it i think that's because at that point she's so far gone that she believes that like she's a witch and this yeah. is what she's supposed to do to get her power yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think the dead. Gi- I think the dead giveaway, though, too, why in which she's probably not a witch, is that when she I- is eating some baby back ribs, like <laughs> she's fucking not handling it too well, man. No. She's acting like she's fucking normal human, right? Yeah. She's sick. She's dying. She's like out of her fucking mind. like. So, given that information, like I mean, leading up to the very last scene, which is definitely up for debate in itself but i mean that's those are more examples of of her probably not being a witch just uh, completely have lost her mind yeah fuck yeah either she's not a witch or she's not fully on board with being a witch or something because yeah there was definitely conflict when she's pulling those ribs up to her mouth she's not well enjoying it <laughs> he's right though he's right like witches you know eating babies like that's that's an old folk that's an old tale and shit like that you know you get power and you and you can elevate your status and all that type of shit like there's a lot of things that come with the babies and stuff and she obviously knew that somehow i guess i guess trying she's, to figure out how she would know that is kind of interesting she was also tri- she was also tripping out on mushrooms um, was she though? Because I thought she had eaten a couple. Yeah, like... she ate one. She ate one mushroom, <clears throat> but nothing yeah. psychedelic happens. Like she, they even show her POV shot of her looking straight up into the trees. And I was looking really close. I'm like, is there any trails? Is there any doubling? Is there something going on to imply that she's tripping? And they, there was nothing. Well, I thought maybe it, it just had maybe taken some time to take an effect. Because after she's back at her house, it. Unless I'm thinking of something out of order where, like, she's kind of on the floor and, like, the fucking colors and sound, and then she sees right, her that's mom much and she later. hears the fucking laughing. Okay, that's not right after she eats the mushroom? I mean, it could be right after, but, I mean, mushrooms Honestly, don't take that long to go into effect. I mean, mushrooms are, like, 30, 40 minutes at the most. I mean, granted, she only ate one piece, but... That's I mean, one thing about this movie, though, man. Like, trying to figure out the time mm-hmm. stamps on things is, like completely just because a great example of that is when she wakes up after being raped by i guess the guy and the girl i don't know maybe both who know who really knows but like how long was she there man she comes back to her (laughs) her house and the baby's like okay a little fussy but i'm like what the fuck like how how long of a time period was that yeah Yeah, a weird thing I think that goes back to the theme of isolation, though, because you could lose your sense of time. So maybe they were purposely yeah, yeah. not time stamping things very well just to put through like, you know, well, go put through the fact that when you are desolate like that, you it time really doesn't even fucking matter. To I, her, think it's a, I think it's a perfect way of doing the film, though, because you don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. I think it gets you thinking. It gets you thinking. It keeps you kind of on your toes. And you're like, holy shit, like this is insane. But I did want to note, though, I think. When like the real when the psychedelic shit starts happening when she's out in the woods and you know shits like and the trees are kind of moving and you know the forest is all fucked up and shit that was after she had a conversation with the priest and yes. like does yeah. that have anything to do with that or just mm. the there's just the sheer thought of you know him giving her her mom's skull and saying do like do you think that was kind of like the last straw that really just fucking completely broke her mind. 
It Seth, could have been like possible. Power, power of his because suggestion. it is convenient <clears throat> timing that he just had this conversation with a deep person, and maybe she's having this like this inverted psychological fucking revelation or some shit, and it just goes. It turns into this apparent you know, acid trip, mushroom trip, you know, you know, psychological, you know, something induced. It yeah. was, I, I've seen it twice and I've thought about it both times. It just seemed like it was interesting time and it came right after that, that scene. Yeah. So I think it has something to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, it leads back to my theory, the, the it, PTSD theory. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, I'm, on board, I'm on board with that shit too, man. I am totally <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine what a, a an entire life of being beaten down yeah. would do to the human psyche, you know. And I think She's, maybe them just throwing in those scenes of, you know, they show up and this and that, and you got babies, and then people actually do show up and stuff like that. I mean, it's, I mean, the explanation for that is pretty obvious that these, you know, these patreons of this fucking, this town, these people are just assholes, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're basically trying to. Uh, um breed away the foreign blood yeah so that, for sure. that's, everyone, that's why everyone in that town at night yeah, yeah. they take the women town. at night yep yeah uh, yeah it just uh it, it just it reeks of them just wanting to breed out the uh the impure blood from the foreigners so yeah uh but um going Did back you... to uh, oh, go uh go, going back to the first chapter when auburn's a child mm-hmm what did you guys take from the scene when mother finds out that Auburn is bleeding, that she, she's gotten her period for the first time, and then she freaks out and leaves the cabin and, of course, dies out in the woods that evening? Like, what what exactly is going through mom's head when that scene happens? Like, what what did what did Auburn having her period symbolize? Um, that you know she was, what? that she was going to get taken to prom and then have oh. to kill everybody at school. Carrie, <laughs> 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 that wasn't Mrs. White. Come on. You know what, man? I, I, I would, I was trying to put it together and I don't really know. Mm. I honestly don't really know what that, what was so. Sig- yeah. I, she, she reacted so violently and then exactly. Just but like her knowing that you know she's a growing child, like this is gonna happen. Yeah. Like it's not like it's news to her. Or she else, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have reacted like that anyways if she didn't know it was supposed to happen. She'd be like, "Are you okay? You're fucking bleeding out of that area. That's not good." But <laughs> no, yeah, very valid. You know, it's it is it is a weird reaction to it. Um, that that kind of led me to believe. Early in the movie, obviously, we're still in the first chapter. Maybe she's disappointed that her daughter wasn't a witch because witches don't bleed. Oh, see, I thought maybe it was that she was that she's now a woman. So she actually will be a full fledged witch. Yeah, maybe the mom thought that that, or yeah, maybe the mom thought her getting the period at a young age signified that she did some type of ritual to bring it on and she's going to become a witch. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Honestly. Oh God, this whole movie has yeah. so many different interpretations that you could yeah. walk away from. I, and I'm sure there's like another half dozen to a dozen that we're not even thinking about that could potentially explain mm-hmm. certain scenes here and there. Um, you know, we've only seen it twice and ultimately it's not in our native language. So we have to take everything, you know, we have to take all the, uh, translations with a grain yeah. of salt. So did, did you guys take the fucking, the couple scenes with the apple as like 
almost like biblical metaphor for like temptation. Because I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a reverse Sleeping Beauty. Because this time <laughs> it was the innocent girl giving the apple to yeah. the witch. Yeah, drugging, <laughs> drugging her with magic apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, the yeah. first the first time I didn't even think about it, and the second time I was like, you know, that apple, because it. Well, they focus on the juice running down her face, so it's so prevalent, right? Yeah. I mean, the director was obviously aiming at something there. Yeah, and and I mean, I think back back in those times, just a big fucking red juicy sweet apple is probably like fucking heaven on earth. So it yeah. could very well be had the temptation thing going on because you know here here's this nice fucking apple from my garden i'm gonna tempt you with it and gain your trust and then well, next and thing you know was, i'm holding you down she's representing the snake in the garden of eden yeah Maybe the apple to eve who knows you know yeah i mean, I mean yeah and i mean that goes back to like the villagers actually being the heathens you know and she's exactly actually that fucking makes sense venom that completely makes sense now when i think about that you know, right after she takes the bite of the apple and then she go, finally goes back to her place and, you know, finds her kinship. The next scene, she's sleeping and there's actually a snake coming through her. Yeah, exactly. It's in the fucking bed. I even it actually well, looks how, like the snake that that uh, was wrapped around mom. I know it can't be, obviously, because no, the, the time that went by, but it, it looked exactly the same. Oh, dude, I didn't even think of that. until that got brought up like that. Shit, <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It, you know. it took my second watch before I tried to look more into the apple itself because it was I, – I think because my second watch, I was like, well, they're focusing prominently on it in two separate scenes. And, you know, in any other movie, it's like it's just a fucking apple. But in this movie, I was like, that can't be on accident, that no. they're, no. they're, they're yeah. really forward thinking with making sure that apple is like front and center. And like Moon scenes. said, um, apples are probably a commodity in that world, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that was probably yeah. like, hey, I got you this expensive piece of fruit so that you trust me. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you guys want to talk about interpretations of the end or le- even leading up to it? Um, um, even before we get there, um, I wanted to talk about the titles of the individual chapters. Uh, Shadows, Horn, Blood, and Fire. Um, yeah. Three of them I understand very plainly. What the hell does Horn have to do with Chapter 2? Did I miss something? Did Chapter 2 start right when she became an adult? Yes. Um, like, literally, yeah. Is is it referring... No, yeah, Chapter 2 starts right when she's an adult, yeah. Um, in Chapter 2, does it have anything to do with the goat, maybe? In that interaction and in, in that relationship, there are some brown Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't really think of anything else in that chapter that would be related to Horn, besides the goats and the skull on her wall. I mean, that because that that's, but that's was... not really a horn though. That's more of a skull. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, it still has horns. I mean, I guess I guess so. There's horns attached to it. I mean, because I thought oh, it, yeah, I thought it might have oh, been yeah, a that. ram, but it was definitely a goat. Yeah, that's uh, definitely. Oh yeah, the one on the wall. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, that, that's all I can think of is has something to do with the goat in that relationship. Yeah, I. Hmm. It's it's funny how the other three are so obvious, and this one they purposely made ambiguous, and now I'm scratching my head wondering why. But well, I guess she, she, she was it's the best explanation. Probably she was she was uh fucking jerking off the goat's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it could be another temptation thing. I don't know, because 
that was the second act, right? When that happened. Yes. Uh, with the whole, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe you know, maybe uh, basically goats are her fucking only friends in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it it could have something to be related to that. Um, it'll be interesting though, like once more people see this and you they you know they start throwing up their explanation videos and stuff because there's not a lot out there yet. Um, exactly. Of reaction. Um. Did you when she was walking in the forest? I think it was when she was after the swamp scene. I think when she was walking away from the swamp, it might have been when she was walking towards it. I can't remember. She had like the maggots on her feet. So did you guys think she had caught the plague and that was like to signify that she was dying of it? Well, it was it was definitely so. consistent with being possibly dead too. Yeah, I mean I, that lead, that that leads right into the final scene and her mm-hmm. eyes. There's there is a there is yeah. a ghastly connection with that. She was I mean, going to the, obvious, she was, she going to the beyond. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, right? Because I mean, why else would it be like? I I don't know. It, it that is was, that was a weird one. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the maggots on her was either signifying and this. I mean, it kind of relates to the end itself. So I mean, I guess we can go into that if you want right after. But uh, I thought the maggots on her were either to show us that she had got the plague and she was like slowly dying this whole movie from it. You know, we don't know exactly when she would have uh, contracted it, but you know, in that time it, it just happens and either that or it could have been when she was, handled that dead rat. Yeah, it definitely could have been that. So I thought it was either she had the plague or it was supposed to represent basically her transition. And she actually the whole time like was trying to, like become a witch and it was kind of showing that that was the toll it was taking on her it's it's almost mm. like leaving her body like her vessel behind because she right. thought she was going to go it almost like she thought something was going to happen like you remember the end of starry eyes when she gets all fucked up spoiler and she emerges as like the fucking movie star right. uh, i thought like maybe the ending had a little of that going on if if you are to believe that she was a witch or she thought she was going to become a witch because obviously so the end yeah she gets to the top of the hill where supposedly the heathens can't get you and she mm-hmm. I, from what we see or what i can tell she kind of spontaneously catches on fire combusts and i thought either a um she was being set on fire by the villagers because she was, was dead of the plague and that's how they got rid of bodies or, or it had something to do with like you know ritual or her own ceremony where she thought she was leaving you know her human self behind to become a witch well as far as the maggots go i mean the think about the first time we see the maggots it's when she finds those mushrooms maggots do not eat mushrooms yeah so they're there there's something that there's some symbolism there that i'm just not smart enough to catch yet because like I said, um, you know, uh, flies don't lay their eggs in vegetables. They they lay them in flesh and meat. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that 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 was one I was scratching my head with. Like, where are why are all these maggots at the base of these mushrooms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then when we see them on her foot later, the 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 way that they're kind of crowding at the toes doesn't lead me to believe that she actually has the plague. I think that it symbolizes something else. Mike was saying that potentially it was her transition from normal to witch. I'm not sure if that's the case. Because then you have to ask, I mean, were the maggots even there? Was yeah. it a hallucination on her part? Which is what I'm thinking. I, I think, yeah, I 
I, I thought it was a transition from like life to death though too. Just given if you relate the maggots and you you correspond maggots with death and you know what we see in the very last scene too. It's interesting that you know her place ends up burning down and that's essentially what those times were bringing with witches. They were being burned like that too. So I think there's a correlation there. Uh, possibly, yeah, I can see it. I, I was thinking that she probably set the fire herself because uh, don't forget right before that she saw the image of her mother in the in and it scared the shit out of her like she ran out of that place as quickly as possible mm-hmm. uh, you know she runs out into the woods she falls over that's when we see that her eyes have now glazed over mm-hmm. um, which you know is a whole nother level of symbolism that I'm still kind of yeah. wrapping my head around yeah. Me too. Um, and then the very next thing we see is the cabin burning from afar. We don't even get a close-up shot. It's like a, a long-distance shot. So it's like, I'm not even convinced she's in that fire. I mean, potentially, yeah. I, I you know, I'm not going to argue it too heavily. Yeah, she definitely could have just immolated herself, you know, just to end all, to end it all. Or, you know, I was thinking potentially she set that place on fire uh, just out of fear of seeing her mother again. Um, well, why I she mean, scared it, uh, it, is beyond it, me. See, I thought I that ran through my mind too, also because you know, seeing her mom and the fire, maybe her believing her, I don't know, something to do with her mom possibly being a witch too, getting rid of her, doesn't want to see the visions of it. I don't know. It's just there's something there with the fire, oh, for yeah. sure. You know, there, there's similar. I, mean, I just don't know what exactly it's referring to. If it's referring to her or if it's referring to her mom. Or was she? Did she even make it out of there? Is this just a vision that we're seeing? Because mm-hmm. those eyes are glazed over, man. Like, I mean, yeah, like that doesn't make sense. Like, how? It, I mean, no one just lose spontaneously loses their eyesight. No, that's what I'm saying, right? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe she fucking burnt in there. You know, that's that's the way witches are supposed to go down. I mean, if she truly believed that, maybe she was, she was done. You know, her her mind is so fucking done. She thought she's a witch, and this is how this is how they go out. Witches burn. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. At least in 15th century Europe, they burn. Yeah, we we always hung our witches because <laughs> we're oh, yeah. progressive or, that way. Or yeah, hung, exactly. Hung exactly. them or yeah. drown them. Drown yeah, them. I don't think rocks. we ever did that either. That, that was a European thing. The burning yeah. and the drowning. The uh, burning the was definitely yeah heavy heavy European. That wasn't uh, yeah. Boss yeah, I mean, I mean, we only <laughs> technically you know we only executed 19 people here for witchcraft, and they were all hung. So. There you go. <laughs> At least on record, anyway. Who knows? Maybe somebody in, you know, what would later become Utah burned some witch at the stake. Who knows? Yeah, I mean. But as it, far as recorded history goes. It's just not noble, man. I mean, getting fucking hung and shit. Like, at least you're burning. I mean, the Vikings, that's what they did with their with their heroes and their dead and shit. They burn them out in the water and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So you gotta you gotta go out in a fucking blaze of glory, man. Okay, I, I still have one more question um, about a scene that confused me a little bit. Maybe not the whole scene, but just one little thing about it. Uh, the scene where she drowns her baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right after she drowns her baby, they show us a shot from under the water, and they start showing blood falling into the water from multiple points. So yeah, it's yeah. not one source of blood. It looks like there's at least two or three. Okay, what the fuck was I looking at? <laughs> I, I, still, I, I was assuming I, I, that was a hallucination, but I can't be sure. Because she hadn't... I mean, she had exited the water by that point, so I'm not even sure she was in the water when that was happening. 
But then after they showed that, they showed her still at the edge of the water, like mm-hmm. still there by the lake or pond or whatever that was. So, yeah, I was very confused. I wasn't sure if that was her blood. I can't imagine it's the baby's blood because you don't generally bleed when you're drowned. No. So well, what, was that whole scene in the swamp a hallucination? Like, well, because she, she was she, there. You she know, definitely, she definitely, after. she definitely walked up to the swamp. I think that part sure. actually happened. But as far as the drowning of the baby, and then her in the swamp, and then the blood and all that, I'm wondering if that was like just kind of like a vision in her head of like something, so you know, that, something horrific. Potentially. So if that was all a vision then, and she actually didn't drown her baby, so then she brought when she saw the dead baby back, is that how the baby got back into her place? Because she didn't bring it back with her. Yeah. She she didn't bring the baby back that we saw. And then when she goes back there, she sees the baby. So maybe the baby was alive. She kills it and then eats it. Well, yeah. Well, the baby was definitely drowned. He had a leech on his face. So, I mean, he had water damage too. So, I mean, he was drowned somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And this is another case of the, you know, unreliable narrator. So ultimately we have to accept what her eyes are showing us, but I I tend not to trust a lot of what her eyes were showing us. So yeah, exactly. Because there's a point where she's actually exiting the swamp, obviously without the baby. Yep. And, and then the next scene, the baby's there. So there, there, there's a whole time period there that we're, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's still daylight when she's at the pond. And then when she eats the baby, it's nighttime. Yeah. Or when she puts it, when, you know, when she first exposes it. Uh, so sometime went well, by. Isn't it, isn't it dark even when she comes out of the pond? It's it's like dusk, but the sun is still out because you can yeah. see everything. It's it's yeah. setting, but it's still out there. I when uh Derek asked me if I had watched this, and when I finally messaged him back to be like, yeah, I finally watched it. The first fucking thing he messaged me is, she ate the fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was like waiting on me because. He he kept asking me like, did you watch it yet? And I was like, oh, I'm about halfway done. Hold on, I'll I'll, I'll hit you up right when I finish. And I did. <laughs> and he's like, she ate the fucking baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for whatever nuts. it's worth, I will say that last shot is gorgeous. It, it reminds me a little bit of one of the opening shots from The Void from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but in that movie, it's not a house that's burning; it's a body, but it's still burning from like kind of far away. Um, so the way, the way that the shot was composed reminded me a lot of this one too, of seeing the house way in the distance burning and then just kind of leaving the audience with, well, you figure out what happened, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I'm totally sure. okay with. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. I, I'm definitely not one of those people where, you know, if I don't fully understand it, the ending, I'm like, man, the movie fucking sucked. You know, <laughs> I, I need like that drastic payoff, you know, spoon fed, yep. but you know, I, I think there's multiple uh, meanings to it probably interpretations who knows you're, you're more used to jp and only his interpretation is correct <laughs> it's pretty true <laughs> he's like no you, you don't understand what i'm saying i'm like fuck you i understand no, no, the funny thing about jp is that if we if we had the same interpretation he would purposely change his per- interpretation just to argue with me <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that sometimes too actually when we're chatting in uh, some of the uh the groups that we have going. I feel like he's contradictory just to be contradictory. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an, it's been an ongoing be- joke for years on that show, man. I've, people have left comments. They're <laughs> like, I think JP argues just for the, and it became a joke. I used to say that all the time on the show. I'm like, dude, you're arguing just to hear yourself argue right now, man. Come on. You know, you are <laughs> stop lying. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've covered this pretty much front to back. Is there anything we missed that you guys want to bring up before we wrap it up? I mean, I'm sure I could talk about this movie for another hour or so just on my sheer confusion as to what <laughs> happened. But ultimately, I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, the storyline in my head and how I perceive it. I'm not necessarily proclaiming that I'm correct, but I'm happy with it. So, and I will, and you know, I bought this movie, so I'm going to watch it many more times over the years. And who knows, maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll get smarter. And, uh, one day I'll just have that aha moment where, Oh, I get the entire movie now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely structured in a way that, you know, with multiple watches, you can justify, uh, different interpretations it, it, to me mm. there's not one absolute way and i and i almost guarantee like when the director starts talking more about it um he's probably not gonna give everyone like an absolute either he's gonna say you know here's some themes but otherwise it's for you kind of to decide and i think it was yeah. made like that purposely well i think it's done in a way you know if, if you think that she's a witch that's totally fine if, and if you don't think she's a witch and you, you kind of go the whole, you know, psychological PTSD type, you know, breakdown theme and shit. I think that's okay too. I think there's ways, mm-hmm. and I think there's evidence to support both cases, you know. But I, I, I do really think that, in my mind, like I'm leaning towards that she wasn't just based on the whole setup with the isolation and, and just everything that lead, everything that kind of comes with that, you know, it's like being thrown in the hole in jail. And shit like that. You know, people, I mean, they may be all fucked up before they even go in, but they're even more fucked up when they're isolated from, you know, the world and the environment that they come from, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that's a product of this. I mean, there's so many people you hear cases, they're in the hole, and then they just came out even crazier and fucking madman. Like, why they even have that thing is beyond me, you know? And I think this is a product of what happens when you're ostracized by an entire community of people, you know? And I don't think she's a witch, man. She was fucking losing her shit yeah, yeah I, I don't i don't think humankind was meant to be isolated and it, it shows you know with many studies and evidence that it fucks you up it yeah. does man it fucking 100 percent. it does man yeah all right well um why don't we talk about some less fucked up things and let everyone know where else they can hear us <laughs> Ex- except when we covered you know the treatment that was probably equally as fucked up but uh <laughs> uh venom i'll i'll let you tell everybody all the stuff all right. Well, uh, the horror cast, unfortunately, is still on a hiatus. Um, fingers crossed that that'll be back sooner than later. But uh, for now, um, you can hear Mike and I on the Theme Warriors podcast. We actually will be recording a new episode tomorrow evening, which hopefully will be out shortly after that. Um, you can also hear me on the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space podcast. That, of course, is my kaiju and all things japanese monsters podcast lots of godzilla and gamera talk on that one so check that out that one's on the uh on the legion podcast network excuse me um you can hear mike and myself on the parent or the the yeah the parent podcast of of fresh cuts which of course is no more room in hell we just recently released episode nine which covers the aforementioned the treatment and big bad wolves a pair of 2013 kind of horror crime thriller type films both 
real spoiler alert both are really really good but check out the episode check out the movies and then listen to our take on it because uh i feel like we we definitely broke those movies down and had a really good time talking about them despite Corey being extremely depressed from having to watch <laughs> the treatment <laughs> yeah uh i recently joined the cast of slice and dice dreadcast um uh, we should be recording a new episode next week. Uh, on that episode, I believe we're discussing two films from 1982. That's going to be John Russo's Midnight and Class Reunion. Uh, what the hell's with everything in 1982? All of a sudden, we do a top I, 10 show, and then it's like 82 on every other show. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, this came this came out of a hat. We literally all the hosts had like three or four movies that they picked and literally both of bill's picks came out. So it it was just dumb circumstance, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, and last but not least, uh, I can finally talk about my newest project, which, uh, we have, we haven't recorded episode one yet. We're hoping to record it in the next week or two, uh, with the episode coming out, uh, in early June. And that is the terror in the aisles horror podcast. Uh, I'm working with a couple of absolute legends in the podcasting field. That's Ricky Morgan from uh, Short Bus Cinema, the Hail Ming Power Hour, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Under the Under My Wheels, all sorts of great nostalgic podcasts. And then the incredibly beautiful and intelligent Jamie Sammons uh, from ABCs of Hidden Horror, uh, Evil Episodes, um, and multiple other shows, of course. So I'm very excited to work with two absolute legends. So uh, I'm going to try to hold my own with these two because, yeah, I've been looking forward to working with both of them on a more permanent basis other than just guest spots here and there. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Uh, That one will also be found on the Legion Podcast Network, but most of my other shows are found on Horrorphilia. That's it for me, guys. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll just add to that burning for Springwood for myself, me, Gary Hill and Suzanne, we cover Freddy's nightmares and we got a handful of episodes out. And I think we have a couple more that haven't even been released yet that have been recorded. Um, so that does it for me. Uh, moods, you currently aren't on another podcast right now, right? <laughs> no, no. Venom, you need to start a podcast just to announce all your podcasts. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Like, I, I couldn't even fathom how, like, I don't know where you find the time to do it, but I'm, that's awesome that you do that. Um, but yeah, no, currently, yeah, you can not hear me on the latest episode of 22 Shots of Moods and Horror, uh, which I still need to put up on my channel, which is Mood 616 on YouTube. Of course, you can hear us on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 159 episodes, and I finally missed an episode. I've been just, life sucks, man. Fucking <laughs> blows. So... Yeah, and that's pretty much it. You can hear me on random guest spots here and there, of course, on this episode. <laughs> and probably future ones, considering I am your guys' favorite guest now. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I like doing this. I like this format, man. It's well, nice. so, so far, like the movies you've actually guested with are fucking incredible. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wait till you have to talk about a shit show. <laughs> I really am hoping that day comes soon. So tell me when you guys are doing a real shitty one. And then <laughs> hopefully I don't. Well, I mean, we got Ma coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, Child's Play remakes. 
So there's potential. But um, do you have a, a anticipated return to your spot on 22 Shots? Because uh, they got the big 1972 show coming up. You're going to be on that one for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to be on that. I think that's supposed to be the next show. Unless, I don't know. I, I haven't really talked to those guys a whole lot recently. So I know Jeremy wanted to, Because he's so fucking worried about the Patreon and getting all these picks out of the way. And I think they might... Uh, want to record another episode i don't know what the main features are unless they're just gonna be all patreon picks but he wants to get all the patreon shit out of there um because summertime is usually hiatus time for us anyways because my schedule i think i'm busy every weekend i'm usually out of town almost every weekend so that's kind of why we don't record as much because we record on sundays so it just generally doesn't work for us um, just just tell him you refuse to talk about Agazusa on 22 shots. <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, that was that was actually planned for last month. We were supposed to do a fill-in episode, and, of course, shit was just not going my way. And we just kept, an, kept having to postpone shows. And, you know, how life goes, man, you know, throws you lemons, man, and then mm-hmm. they just keep fucking coming at you. There's no lemonade being made. <laughs> Um, Don't worry about it. Just tell JP and uh, Jeremy that I'll fill in for you over the summer. We're good. <laughs> uh, I Well, I mean, like, we do usually take our regular break anyways. We'll probably end up recording an episode a month until our return back in September. And then it'll just be full blown. It'll be every week again kind of thing. So, so I mean, this is normal. It just happened before the norm came. Right. Unfortunately, um, which really fucking sucks. I can't even bring myself to even click on the new episode without me on there. I think that's really weird. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm it's all right. Just, just, on it. so who just, the hell wants to do that? just isolate my audio and well, listen to that. And well, yeah, Mike, Mike's only on the second half of the show, right? So, yeah, JP likes to pull those swerves on me the day of the recording. He's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to have you on the second. Half. I was like, fuck, I sectioned out this part of the day and. Now I got to wait around another hour and a half, but it's you know. because of our it's our format, man. It, it's hard to have people on and expect them to keep up and do like three, four what we watched. And you know, if we have four people on, you know, four films a piece is sixteen plus bonus reviews and feature reviews, like yeah, twenty one fucking movies. And we don't want to put that on people, so that's why if we do have guests, uh, unless they have already, you know said that hey man i got some what we watched like we i can fucking throw these films down that's cool that's up to you man i don't expect people ever to do the shit that we do on that format because it's really long like yeah, we don't, it's a lot of yeah. rapid fire movies that if if i haven't seen them or that what the guest hasn't seen them it's like there's yeah. no point <laughs> yeah exactly so but cool. yeah that's about it man I, I should be back soon i mean we're recording the top 10 in 1972 show june 9th so it'll be out a couple days after that and that is officially going down unless something happens again to me. Christ, no. Um, but I'll. it's definitely going. I'm excited for that, man. I'm really, really excited. Uh, Brandon from Exploding Heads is going to be on the show. And, of course, Carly also from uh, Netflix and Chill and, and her, like, 19 podcasts that she's on now, too. So I was going to say, you got Carly to watch movies from 1972? That's... Yeah, apparently she doesn't like the year too much. She's uh, openly said that she's not really enjoying the year all that much. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by that because there's kind of shit all over the place. You know, if you're in... Well, she's not into Italian films, so that would kind of make sense why she's not really enjoying the damn year. But <laughs> I guess there's so many of them from that year. But I think there's a lot to offer from the year. It's interesting. It's an interesting year. So I think and I'm hoping like our last top 10 show, we had so many different lists. You know, it was kind of cool to see how you know broad they were. You get the odd year like 1996 and, you know, everyone has the same top 10 because there's like 20 films from the whole fucking year. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
right? So prep was super fast, but the lists were boring. And where these years, there's a lot to offer. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, with that, I think it's time to go order some baby back ribs. What do you guys say? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I, I actually ate some while I was watching Hagagazu. <laughs> <laughs> Extra sauce. <laughs> Extra sauce, man. It was it was that new swampy barbecue flavor. <laughs> right down in the fucking Everglades swamps. Yeah. Ugh. Man. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this latest episode of Fresh Cards. We should be back. I think we got – I mean, there's potential because Brightburn's coming out this week, which I guess you could justify as horror. Oh, um, yeah. The following week, we got Ma and, and Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, so – um, it looks like it could be a couple or like a streak of uh, theater uh, movies we're covering. So um, we should be back soon. Thanks, Moods, again for showing up, man. A lot of fun. You're you're pretty much two for two on great movies. So uh, I don't expect that to last. So just be forewarned <laughs> for when you come back. Haven't I been on three times? I don't know. I It was us uh, and this. What the fuck else were you on for? I did a sh- no man. I did a sh- what the fuck? I did one after us too. I was with on with Don and what the hell? Oh, it was no. Carrie? I did. I did do a shitty film. Remember when I made that joke about how I'd rather be abducted by <laughs> Japanese POW? Oh, the fucking, oh the silence on Netflix. Yeah, oh, you were on that one. How did right. I forget? Oh my god, man, that movie. So I was on a shit one. That movie sucked. Yeah, I actually, I actually watched that again. Uh, oh, what the fuck for? About a month later, just because I wasn't, I was on the fence. Oh, okay. Uh, my yeah. rating actually went up on second watch. Dude, <laughs> really? I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm just saying I enjoyed it more. So there you go. I, I just want, I just want to watch it again. Right? <laughs> I just want to watch it again to see them go through the culvert that's right next to like the 20 foot fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes me laugh, man. Oh. All right. Well, now that's really going to do it for the episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you soon. Good night. Yes. Alvida Zane.